Hello, my name is Janice McDonald. Welcome to my grade 12 classroom at Surrey Christian School in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. Welcome to Another Day in God's Story. This is the Every Square Centimeter Podcast, a project of Christian Schools Canada, and we are beside ourselves to have you join us as we tour this beautiful country we call Canada, celebrating and finding inspiration in the people, places, and practices in and around Christian education. Before I go too far, beside ourselves. Anyone? Anyone know? Like, what does that even come from? Beside ourselves. Justin, you're an English guy? No? Yeah? Out out of body experience? Okay. Like, so this better be good. This podcast better be good. Unbelievable. <laughs> Janice, we are beside ourselves to meet you. So that is uh, a lot of pressure. Uh, in our last stop on our virtual tour of Canada, we spent time in Charlottetown, PEI, Prince Edward Island with Loretta Anderson, as we learned that biking can be good for relationships, whether that be completing an over 300-kilometer trek with your husband, as in Loretta's case, or just going out on your own to maybe blow off some steam after being cooped up too long during COVID. That would be more in my case. Uh, we learned that according to our extensive research and backed by our experience with Loretta, the most patient teachers are grade one teachers. And Janice, just so you know, second mm-hmm. was grade 12. Would you would you concur on that one? Yes, I think so. As a grade 12 teacher, I would Patient. concur on that. Patience, yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, we learned that to be, to be called a true islander, you need to not only live on PEI, but you had to have been born there as well. So exclusive group. Uh, We learned how grade ones can be empowered to create beautiful work and nurture to provide feedback for each other. We learned that students do their best work when their work matters and has a purpose beyond the classroom walls. And last of all, we learned there's nothing like the gifts grade one students give. Loretta received a gift that was 13 feet tall. It was wonderful visiting Loretta. So to find out what that 13 foot gift was and to hear the rest of the episode, we recommend you go back and listen. But today... We're thankful you've joined us in Surrey, and we're going to call ourselves a run. Janice, I, I, I really struggled with Surrey. Like I usually come up with the name of the town, people that Surreyite. Do you have any idea what a person from Surrey would be called? So I have no idea what a person from Surrey would be called. We don't refer to ourselves in any special um, way, but I really like the term Surreyite. Okay, I, I think it could stick. Okay, is that or surreal, like a surreal run, but Surreyite makes more sun, makes more sense. A Surreyite run, uh, and to get to know our run, we're going to start our podcast with the name segment. My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Center for Christian Education, or PCCE, and alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. Evil Knievel of the pedal bike, Darren Speaksma. Hey, Ron. Hey. Hey, Darren. Darren. Darren, this prompt comes from Lori Koning, who sent in some suggestions for us. So thank you, Lori. The prompt is, which board game would be the most fun to play with if it was life-size? And then she did say, hashtag, not pandemic, which I think is too on the nose right now. She said that would probably not be a good suggestion. Darren, what do you got? I would go with Ticket to Ride. I think any opportunity to travel around the world, riding trains, connecting from A to B, I don't care what map, any of the maps, 
the the map with the boats. I don't care any of the maps. I'm going to get to ride. Justin, by your response, I'm guessing you and I had the exact same answer. Actually, I didn't, but now I wish I did because oh, yeah. that's a, I, that's an awesome choice. <laughs> I definitely was going Ticket to Ride, so oh. you'll hear me fumble my way through my answer now. So uh, from Advance in Eastern Canada, we have a guy who was a key contributor, key member to the first ever winning team on the first ever game show of Faculty <laughs> Feud, Justin Cook. Hey, Canada. Oh, Canada. Canada. Justin, which board game would be the most fun to play if it was life-size? Well, shout out to Darren Speaksma because that was awesome. Um, I'm going to go Carcassonne. Hmm. You guys know Carcassonne? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You put little pieces together to make kind of a landscape, and yeah, you kind of explore and create a world as you play. That's that would be interesting. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. As long um, as I no, I I, I got to clarify here. As long as I've got a crew of people that are helping me build the castles that I'm expecting to build, as long like there's, that'd be a lot of work. Then I'm all in because then the that might be even better than just riding a train. Just oh, for the record, yeah, building thanks. cities like that's pretty cool. Thanks, thanks, Darren. <laughs> building kingdoms here, Justin. Nice work. Uh, as we heard off the top, we are honored to be a welcome virtually into Surrey Christian School by Janice McDonald. Yo, Jeremy. Yo! Hey! hey. Uh, Janice, which board game would be the most fun to play with if it was life-size? Okay, so I have kids, and we don't play a lot of board games, but kids kind of board games, and so I would play Mousetrap. Oh, yeah. That would be interesting. And the reason I say Mousetrap is because the... The goal of this game is to go around the board and collect pieces of cheese. Mm-hmm. And so I love cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also competitive and uh, uncertain. You roll dice and you go around this board. And if you land on certain squares, you can send one of your competitors Whoa. to a mousetrap. And there's this Rube Goldberg type contraction. Yes. This ball has to go all the way down it. And if it, it goes through the course correctly, then what you can send one of your competitors to go to the mousetrap and be stuck there. And they have to give you some of their cheese. So I would go with mousetrap. Loved, loved that game as a kid. I see a kid's movie uh, potential Ooh. here. That is a great idea. I uh, was just, I was struck by which twin do you decide to send to the mousetrap? That is the <laughs> challenge. I'm, uh... <laughs> One of my twins is very competitive, and one of them is so sweet and not competitive, so I would send the competitive twin. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Life lesson. (laughs) Be sweet. Be sweet or you get sent to the mousetrap. Janice, what what kind of things do you like to do if it's not board games? I love to hike, so... I am lucky enough to live near North Shore Mountains, so we can go within an hour and be at a, at a mountain. So hiking, going to the beach with my family. Uh, I love to cook and bake, travel, although lately I've not done very much mm. traveling, unfortunately. That makes me very sad. Uh, reading and just trying new in- experiences in general is uh, something that I'm passionate about and I love and makes me feel alive. You need a you need a life size version of Ticket to Ride in order to uh, yeah. travel these days. Mm-hmm. So, um, thank you. I I also would have gone Ticket to Ride. Uh, so Darren scooped that. But I I will say I recently got into Wingspan, 
which is a fantastic board game. And I'm going to recommend it as a life-size version only for my sister's sake, because as I've mentioned before, she's scared of birds. So the idea of playing a life-size life version of Wingspan with my sister would be terrifying for her and probably a little bit hilarious for me. So that's what an older brother is supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for the second half of our opening square, we have our host choose from a variety of segments that all rhyme with AIM. If you recall, last time we played a game of Faculty Feud where Justin, Darren, and Loretta pulled off the victory. But today, Janice has chosen the segment, drumroll Janice, frame. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So for frame, we keep it pretty general. Uh, This is a chance to share maybe a devotional practice, maybe a text or a resource, something that grounds your day in God's story or starts your day in God's story. So Justin, uh, frame, what do you got? Mm -hmm. I've been uh, really intrigued and enjoying uh, the Bible for Normal People podcast with Jared Bias and Pete Enns. Mm -hmm. And um, one specific focus uh that i've really appreciated (sighs) this gets a bit technical but i've been really thinking about theories of atonement so like why did christ have to die or why did christ choose to die and uh they have a in episode 183 they talk about the various theories of atonement and i think what's what's the typical answer is we think well he had to die so that we don't have to die this kind of substitutionary atonement and I, I'm just buying that less and less, actually. Mm. So, um, yeah, check out mm. episode 183 if you want to join me in the journey. Oh, very cool. Thanks, Justin. Uh, Darren? Yeah, first of all, great teaser. Um, love those guys. And uh, I will go back and, and listen. I'm always impressed with 183, just the number 183. But that's <laughs> a different story altogether. Um, I have spent quite a bit of time... Um, rekindling a love for Thomas Merton over the last season of my life. And um, over the last six weeks or so, I've been living into this quote as well as I can. Um, You do not need to know precisely what is happening or exactly where it is all going. What you need is to recognize the possibilities and challenges offered by the present moment and to embrace them with courage, faith, and hope. And as I deal with pandemics and angst around, you know, a new boss and all kinds of different things, um, it's been one of those quotes that uh, has really continued to be one I read every day and work hard to live into uh, as we go. I think I'm I'm supposed to insert a really thoughtful question right now, Darren, because last time you gave a really deep answer like that, I got uh, a listener kind of sense saying, Hey, uh, we should have followed up on that. So, uh, but I don't have a great one. It, that sounds like a wonderful resource and, uh, appreciate it, but, uh, no thoughtful questions. Sorry, Darren, unless Justin or Janice has a thoughtful question. What, remind me what's the source. Is it a book, Darren? That, that it is in? a book. And I was worried someone was going to ask that because mm-hmm. I've been using this for six weeks. So I no longer have it connected to a book anymore. Just the author. So I apologize. No but, worries. um, yeah. See. You were expecting me to not ask a question like I usually do, <laughs> unless it's about lawns. Uh, all right, uh, Janice, uh, frame, what you ha- What do you have? Uh, so I also have a quote, and this quote is by Richard Rohr. 
and this this quote frames how I interact with my students and what my deepest hope is for my students. So here's the quote. At some point, many people wake up and begin to realize, however tenuously, that their own true self is a one-of-a-kind reflection of God's love in the world. And so it is my hope as a teacher uh, that my students will begin to uh, recognize that they are a one-of-a-kind reflection of God's love in the mm -hmm. world. Uh, so every class that I teach, we start with an opening circle. And oftentimes when I'm planning the circle and framing the circle, I have that quote in mind. How will mm -hmm. the students begin to realize that they are a unique reflection of God's love in the world? I love uh, our last um, host was talking about opening circle type things in grade one. You're talking about it doing grade 12. And I just love, love that. Uh, thank you, Janice. Um, I'm going to do it somewhat of a, a shameless plug here for something. Uh, we are uh, a podcast of Christian schools, Canada, and uh, they have another project that they, that they're working on, which is wisdom for the way it's a, a video resource, a video series. Um, and they're a library of about five minute videos featuring the wisdom of Rod Wilson. And if you know Rod Wilson, um, you will right away want to just check this out because he's just a, a wonderfully wise person, someone that uh, Prairie Center has had uh, do some keynotes and some leading and leadership. And I know across Canada, he's done some other work. So what's really unique about this series is that it's specifically developed for Christian schools. And so it's an excellent resource for maybe admin leadership, but also just maybe staff devotions, especially what they're calling Wisdom for the Way 2.0, which is kind of season two, which focuses on the book of Proverbs. And so the most recent episode I was just listening to uh, was based on Proverbs 27 verse 17. And Rod Wilson explains how the proverb iron sharpens iron could connect with Christian education and leadership. And at the end of each episode, Rod asks two reflective questions. So you could use those as a, a way to jump off for your own group. And uh, in this one, the two questions, just to give you a kind of a, a taste of what it sounds like, is how do you pursue relationships that sharpen who you are? And then this one I just found fascinating. I've never thought of this in my um, years in schools. But to what degree does your school value the growth that comes out of relational conflict? Uh, just a really neat question to think about. So mm -hmm. if you want to find out more about this excellent resource, uh, you can send an email to contact at scsbc.ca. So that's contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T, at scsbc.ca uh, to get in touch with that resource. Listeners, let us know of a resource or quote, something that's kind of encouraging you in your faith. Tweet us at every square centimeter or message us on Instagram. We're going to transition from our opening square to the part of our podcast where we learn a little bit about places in Canada and celebrate the people and practices in Christian education. But before we do, here's a word from a sponsor that we would recommend. Hi, my name is Carla Elblas, and I teach grades 7 and 8 at Providence Christian School in Dundas, Ontario. For the past four years, my class has partnered with Edudeo Ministries to help raise money for their annual campaign project. Each year, money is raised to help students in schools across the globe to have a better education by providing necessities such as clean drinking water, computers, and safe places to live. Participating in fundraising projects in partnership with Edudeo has challenged my students to think beyond themselves and has given them the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of others in a tangible and meaningful way. If you'd like to learn more about ways that you can partner with Edudeo in their annual campaign, you can contact Lori Koning by emailing schools at edudeo.com.
As we heard off the top, Janice teaches at Surrey Christian School in Surrey, British Columbia, Canada. Justin, can you tell us a little bit about what you discovered about Surrey? Indeed, I can. And shout out to Surrey. Personally, I used to live in White Rock, which is, I don't know, Janice, is White Rock technically a part of Surrey? Do you know? No, technically it's its own little city, but it's very close and often it's referred to as part of Surrey. We'd like okay. to we like to include White Rock as part of Surrey. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'd be willing to call it South Surrey, but yeah, fair enough. Okay. So I'm excited to be in Surrey. Thanks for hosting us, Janice. And yeah, a few things about it. First of all, um, Surrey School District has a, a really helpful handout uh, online about land acknowledgement. So this is a, a suggested land acknowledgement that they have. We would like to acknowledge that our school, in this case, Surrey Christian School, where Janice and all SCS community members work, play, and learn, is on the shared, unceded traditional territory of the Katsi, Semiamu, Kwantlen, and other Coast Salish peoples. And uh, we've uh, been spending quite a bit of time, Darren, on uh, the Salish people's uh, land, actually, when we're in uh, SCSBC, which is pretty awesome. Just kind of, we've been traditionally quite coastal, which is great. So some fun facts about Surrey, just to finish here. Um, it's pretty commonly understood that Surrey's population is going to surpass uh, Vancouver's in the next number of mm-hmm. years, like in the next few years. So I don't think any of us probably assume that that's the case. When we think about big city in BC, it's just naturally Vancouver, but not for long. They're mm-hmm. saying that uh, probably in the next few years, Surrey will be the largest city in BC. This was a really fun thing to discover. Surrey is the home of Canada's first, I don't even know if I'm saying this right, it's Kabaddi, Kabaddi Stadium. It's a game. So there's a Kabaddi Stadium. It's a popular game in India, and it's the official sport of Bangladesh. You play seven on a side on a court that's slightly smaller than a volleyball court, and runners cross the center line holding their breath, trying to tag as many of the other team as possible and get back to their side all in the same breath, hmm. but you can be tackled or uh, held, uh, and and then I think as soon as you take a new breath, you know you're you're in jail or something. I I, I have to do a little more research on it, but it looks pretty amazing, and uh, the photos of it look pretty pretty cool. Um, do you happen to know, Janice, where the Kabaddi Stadium is? I have no idea, but <laughs> part of my job is to teach PE, and I would really like to try playing this game with my high school students. Kabaddi. Uh, yes, because I'm thinking as a as a high school young man, given the opportunity to play any version of what you just described <laughs> would be awesome. Yeah, totally. My, my worry, though, is we used to argue over the soccer, over a ball going over the post, right? Like, oh, it was over the po- the coat post. It went over the, po- you know, I can't imagine the arguments over, I think you snuck a breath in there. <laughs> definitely honor system on that one for sure totally i totally agree jeremy i thought the same thing all right surrey is also the home of the world's longest beard sarwan singh resident of surrey has a beard that measured eight feet and two and a half inches guinness world records 2011 wow that's a wrap it around your neck like a scarf to do yeah (laughs) sarwan singh uh Surrey with a little historical uh, aspect here. It's, I don't know if it's, I just kind of assume this, but I, you know how I've asked how many uh, Canadian towns are based on Hudson Bay company uh, forts. I wonder too, how many uh, have the name of an English 
predecessor. So Surrey is named after uh, Surrey in the UK. H.J. Uh, Brewer looked across from New Westminster and said that that land across the river looks exactly like the Surrey that I'm familiar with in uh, mm. back in England. And that's why he named it that. And the original city center is in North Surrey in Wally and uh, named after Harry Wally, who owned a gas bar at the Bend at King George Boulevard and 108 Avenue. So <laughs> Janice, next time you drive by mm-hmm. King George and 108, give a little shout out to Harry Wally, mm-hmm. the, uh, the gas bar founder of the entire city center there. <laughs> Will do. Uh, Surrey is one of the most diverse townships in all of Canada. Uh, in, according to CanadaVisa.org, it ranks what do you think in the top 10 of loca- popular locations to immigrate to in Canada? Anybody want to guess? So this is all of Canada. You think I, guess, I guess number one. Yes, Janice. Oh. I like the confidence. I was going to go three. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were both going three. You too, eh, Darren? Mm-hmm. Well, it's seventh. Mm. Okay, if Darren's going three, I'm going eight. Oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice, Jeremy. Uh, I I hate to say, guys, but uh, the the top two are both in Ontario. Mm -hmm. Uh, GTA. Waterloo and Burlington. Waterloo's Mm. number one. I'm wondering because it's kind of like the Silicon Valley of Canada, like the engineering, computer engineering. You guys familiar with that? No. Mm-hmm. You guys should be. All of Canada should know that what Anyway, sorry. This was about have, Surrey. We I got have, distracted. I got this distracted. This about Surrey. <laughs> we haven't totally been there about yet, Surrey. Justin, you haven't taken us to Waterton yet. <laughs> that's true. I got it. That's true. Anyway, so Surrey, amazingly diverse. Uh, can't wait to visit Janice's classroom to play Kabaddi coming up soon. There's Surrey. Janice, uh, curious, how did you end up in Surrey? So I grew up in Surrey. I was actually a student at Surrey Christian School years ago. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever imagine that one day I would become a teacher or that I would become a teacher at Surrey Christian School. Mm. That did not cross my mind. It wasn't a hope or a dream at all um, when I was a child. Uh, So I went on to go to university after I graduated from Surrey Christian School and I got a degree in soci- social science, and then I got an education degree. And it was on the reading week, which is it falls in a February of my last year of university, where I came home to Surrey to stay with my parents. And I had heard about a possible Matley position, so I decided I would drive in my little my little junky car over to Surrey Christian School and reintroduce myself to the principal there. And at that time, his name was Tony Jansen, I believe. I just said, "Hello, my name is Janice. I've." former student. He recognized me, thankfully. And I just said, if you have any teaching positions coming up, I am interested. And then I I left again and I went home and I went back to school. At the time, I was going to university in Edmonton at King's University. And I got a phone call for a phone interview a couple of weeks later. And uh, so I ended up dressing up for my phone interview because I wanted mm-hmm. to take it very seriously. And I told the whole committee, the interview committee that I was dressed up for the interview. Uh, and they ended up hiring me for a grade three MAP position. So um, that was very exciting. And that was Surrey was the only school that I applied to. I didn't have any other interviews and I got Mm. the job right away. Uh, And grade three is significant because when I was young, when I was really young, I uh, really struggled in school, actually. So school was really hard for me. Mm. I, um, I ended up repeating grade three, which is something they did way back when I was a kid. 
And it wasn't until later on that I was tested and diagnosed with a learning disability. So verbally, and my reading was actually quite high in grade three. I was uh, grade seven level, but my written output was age five. And so school was really, really hard. Mm. Uh, And like really hard, painful, actually. Uh, And I eventually, with going to school in summer, during summertime at Simon Fraser University and uh, learning how I learn and uh, gaining more tools, I was able to cope. Mm. Uh, but then, so when Surrey Christian School offered me a grade three position, I was a little bit shocked because mm-hmm. I remember, I remember way back when I was in grade three and my, I went for a walk with my mom and my mom had told me at the time, you're going to, you're going to repeat grade three. You're going to do it again. And I was crying and upset. I remember the, the feel of the day. It was a hot summer day. I remember the sidewalk I was looking at and I said, why would God let this happen? Why, mm-hmm. why is this happening to me? And my mom said, I don't know why. This is happening to you, but I do know God and God will make something beautiful out of this one day. You just Mm. have to wait and see. And as an eight-year-old, I did not understand that. But one day, way Mm -hmm. later, um, I was in university and I was offered a grade three teaching position. And I do think struggling and uh, having my story uh, be about struggle and about working really hard has made me a better teacher. Mm. Janice, was it the exact same classroom? that you were in for grade three? It wasn't the same classroom, but it was the same building. Mm. And so there are a lot of really strong memories for me walking back into that building and some of the same staff as well, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm. Wow. Um, That's a rabbit hole we could, I really want to go down, but um, (laughs) let's keep going. Talk to us a little bit about uh, Surrey Christian. Sure. Surrey Christian School is a pre-K to grade 12 school. We have over 1,300 students. Uh, Surrey Christian is located approximately 30 minutes outside of Vancouver. And our mission statement, uh, I love our mission statement. I'm excited about our mission vision statements. Our mission statement is educating for wholeness by engaging God's world in the servant way of Jesus. And this a mission statement shapes everything we do at Surrey Christian. Uh, so Surrey, as uh, Justin mentioned, is a growing city. Uh, We have a a wonderful staff and faculty, uh, and we have um, this mission that inspires students to become fully alive in God's story. So at Surrey Christian School, we strive to be a people of try in our approach to uh, pedagogy and innovation and improving student learning. Uh, Another unique thing about Surrey Christian School is that we have over 150 different churches represented at our school. Uh, So it is a non-denominational Christian school. We have an open enrollment policy, uh, which is also uh, unique and exciting. We have a very diverse community, and it is, as a teacher and uh, someone who does some leadership at Surrey Christian, it's a very exciting uh, community to be a part of. Awesome. So talk to us, just for those that don't know, talk to us a little bit of, like, when you say open enrollment, like, what does that mean? So open enrollment means that anybody can apply and attend Surrey Christian School. Uh, They do come for a tour and they do meet our administration. And we tell them very clearly who we are, uh, what we believe in, and what Surrey Christian School is about. And they are welcome to come to Surrey Christian School if they are Christian or not Christian, or even if they uh, belong to another faith, they are also welcome as long as they know who we are and, and mm-hmm. what we believe and what we teach and, and what we're on about, then everyone is welcome. Awesome. Yeah, cool. 
Janice, you talked, uh, we could hear it in your voice and you were saying you're excited about your mission statement. Is there a word or two in particular in the mission statement that you really kind of cling to or like that just encapsulates exactly why you love it so much? Or is it the whole statement kind of in, in combination? It is, it is the whole statement. Uh, our vision statement connected to our mission vision statement is becoming fully alive in God's story. So we are engaging God's world through our curriculum and our learning. And then we are inviting and nurturing and empowering our students to practice becoming fully alive in God's story and in mm. the world through, um, through all of our learning kindergarten through grade 12. Mm. I feel like we're, we're going to ask some more questions later just around how that maybe looks in your classroom and in your subjects. But uh, I'm curious as we maybe get a, you know, walking through your virtual building here as we, we, we zoom together, uh, what's some, maybe something unique that I would find on your classroom walls? What, what would I see? So at Surrey Christian School, we're a TFT school or a Teaching for Transformation school. And one of the key tools for a Teaching for Transformation school is to have a storyboard for a course or for a class. So a storyboard shares uh, the learning journey of the course on the wall of the classroom. So in uh, for my one of the classes that I teach is Vocations in the Kingdom of God 12. On the storyboard, I have a, a storyline and our deep hope and then evidence of the learning journey throughout the course. So it starts with uh, something we call a our through line for the course. And our through line for the course is image reflectors. And I ask all the grade 12s to bring in a picture of themselves when they began their learning journey in school. So when they were in kindergarten or grade one, and that is where we start our storyboard. And then uh, and then the storyboard continues with, uh, we do some research and uh, testing around who am I, what are my strengths, uh, what am I good at? And that looks like M- Enneagram tests and Myers-Briggs. Uh, we, we read some Thomas Merton, as Darren referred to earlier, exploring true self and what that might be. Mm. Uh, and then it continues on with uh, making a transition plan for next year. We also look at... Um, the vocation storyline in the Bible and God calling people, regular people who weren't exceptional or spectacular, but replied to God's call with here I am. Uh, And then we continue on with um, a key piece of the course, which is a final capstone project. It's an inquiry project where students practice using their gifts and talents and passions. uh, And they intersect that with the need in the world. And then finally, students uh, write a grad speech and both the capstone project and the grad speech are pieces that we share in our celebration of learning evening that happens towards the very end of the spring, just before we get into June, before the grade 12s graduate and leave Surrey Christian school for the last time. Mm. That sounds great. Um, I would, we're zeroing in here on a, on a, on a great story around vocation. I can hear in your voice, your own excitement could you encapsulate for us the story you're trying to invite students into with that with that course and the capstone and just that culmination? If you can kind of tie that together for us. Yes, sure. So when I inherited the course, it was called Vocation in the Kingdom of God. And since then, I've added an S to vocation. So it's more of it's vocations in the kingdom of God. Uh, and I want students to think about what are my gifts? What are my talents? What am I passionate about? And how might I use them in the world now through a capstone project, but also after I graduate? So 
Another way to say that is, what is my role or what are my roles in God's story? How might I use who I am? Um, or I, I talked about a quote earlier about uniquely reflecting God's love. That's another way to talk about who we, who we are uh, in, in God's world or in the kingdom of God. What might that look like? So we just begin to think about it and then we begin to practice it and we begin to share what that's like to practice using our gifts and talents in the world. Janice, I, I work with Teaching for Transformation and I, and I work with some high schools and um, one of the challenges is that uh, high school teachers, uh, this is a, a stereotype, but don't always love using built and boards or, or the walls in their classroom, maybe as the same as a, maybe an elementary teacher likes to like to use them. Uh, tell me w- what motivates you to, to use that space and, ho- and how do you choose what you put up on your storyboard? Uh, so yeah, maybe you can speak a little bit more about w- what motivates you to use that space. Does it enhance learning or t- yeah. Tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about that. Yeah. So another role I have at Surrey Christian school is uh, as an an instructional coach, a teaching formation instruction, transformation instructional coach. And so storyboards are a, a piece, a tool that we use commonly uh, to share the learning journey. And, and for me as a teacher and for my work with other teachers, I have found the designing of a storyboard a very helpful tool for teachers to, uh, to take some time to think about their curriculum. So their storylines and deep hopes and their curriculum and the learning journey of the course and to be able to put it up on a storyline, you really have to have thought about this and figured out a way to integrate storyline and deep hope with curriculum uh, and learning journey. And to be able to articulate that in a storyboard is first helpful for the teacher. And then it is also helpful for the students who who can then see and experience the learning journey in a clear, well laid out, thoughtful plan but then not only see the learning journey, be able to use the storyboard to articulate the learning journey beyond the classroom to their, to their families, whether that be through uh, learning conferences uh, or, and at the end of the course, when we do some reflection and self-assessment about how have they done with their learning journey through the course. Uh, So it's a key tool to articulate storyline, deep hope, curriculum and learning journey and how they've done on this journey and what's gone well and what's been challenging uh, as as um, helpful for it's so it's, it's helpful for the teacher. It's helpful for the students, uh, and it, it's a great way for students to reflect and self-assess how they've um, done in each particular course. Hmm. Awesome, Janice. Do you have a photo? If you were to, could you send us by any chance a photo that we could include in the show notes, just to to give listeners a chance to actually see your storyboard for the vocations in the Kingdom of God course? Yes, I have a photo and I actually have a video uh, on the storyboard and also students using part of the storyboard to explain their learning journey, mm-hmm. specifically around capstone projects. I can share yeah. that with everybody. That would be awesome to include. Be, I think that'd yeah. be great. Janice, what's your deep hope? My deep hope for my students uh, in in the well, my deep hope for my students in vocation vocations in the kingdom of God is that we will explore and develop our gifts so that we can work as peculiar people in God's story. And um, the word work, I don't love. I'm going to change that to live or serve as peculiar people in God's story. Uh, so that that's the deep hope for the course. And then I think um, tying um, back to our Surrey Christian Schools vision statement. 
I think my deep hope grander sort of beyond that course and with every course that I teach in my Hope for Story Christian School is that students will practice and experience being fully alive in God's story. Mm-hmm. Love the connection to and thoughtfulness connected to both your your school's vision mission, but also uh, peculiar. It's uh, a, a word that I uh, love hearing there. Uh, Janice, what, what are some maybe the competing stories you're facing uh, that kind of push back against your deep hope? Right. So in the, this is a grade 12 course and grade 12s are going to be graduating soon. And so very quickly, their focus can become um, focus on applying to schools for next year, getting a job, getting scholarships, making money, figuring out the, the grade 12s have this idea that they need to have their whole lives figured out before they graduate and that they better get in the right program and that they better go to the right school or they might better have a good job so they can pay rent. That's definitely a competing story because I want them to explore and practice using their gifts and their talents and imagine what 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 possible next steps might be not having their whole life figured out and not um, putting so much pressure on themselves to pick the right school or the right program or the right job. What, Janice, I'm curious, would, would, would grade 12 look differently for you when you were in grade 12? Just yeah, what, kind of what were your challenges then, competing so stories? It was quite a long time ago that I was in grade 12. It was in the middle of 1990s, I'll just say that. And I remember grade 12 to be very much writing essays and taking tests and taking biology quizzes uh, and that was that was the bulk of our time. Lots of studying, uh, lots of lots of homework at tables in the evening, uh, and then balancing that with having a part time job so that I could afford to go to school. I mean, that was that was what my grade twelve story looked like at that time. Mm-hmm. Janice, where do you see God at work in your own life or classroom? So we talked about the competing stories, but where do you see God actually kind of? revealing his story for you personally and for your students? So the the storyline for vocations in the kingdom of God is here I am. And it's uh, referencing in the Bible when God called different characters in the Bible and they answered with here I am, either explicitly or implicitly. And I, I want to invite my grades tw- 12 students to, uh, to say to God, here I am. Okay, God, I'm graduating from grade 12 soon. Um, I'm going on to my next stage of life. What if you said to God, here I am, what next? What, what, what is it that is my role to play in your story? What are my next steps? Uh, and so because I invite my students to do this, I need to also do this myself. And so the last three years, I've taught this course um, every day, not mm-hmm. just when I teach this course, but every day when I drive to work, I have about a 20-minute journey from uh, one part of Surrey to the other. I pray and every day I say to God, okay, God, here I am. What is it that you want me to do today? And then I just try to be aware and pay attention to that. And sometimes I forget and sometimes it's pretty obvious. Okay, okay, this is this is our day and this is what I need to do here at Surrey Christian School. Mm-hmm. Janice, can you apply that to the capstone? Like, um, d- yeah, that. sorry, not your own here I am. That's a beautiful rhythm every day, uh, but the actual here I am storyline story line with your capstone. Yes. So this capstone project is, uh, 
it's a requirement from the British Columbia government, but it's also a way for students to practice the mission and vision of Sir Christian schools. So engaging God's world in the servant way of Jesus, practicing being fully alive. And so this capstone project, uh, the students need to think about what do I love? What am I passionate about? What am I excited about? And how might I intersect that with the need? And the need could be uh, in their family community or our school community or the city of Surrey or the greater world community. And I want them to practice being in that intersection. Uh, so they they design a, an essential question around their project uh, and they uh, have a pitch for their project where they have to share it to career ed teachers. Uh, and then they make a smart plan for their project and then they begin this project. And sometimes they work out really well the first time and sometimes they need some tweaking and sometimes they have to do like a try, second try or a third try, uh, but they practice what that might look like. So uh, the beautiful thing with grade 12s is when they get to pick their own project and when they get to use their own interests, the capstone projects are all over the map. So there are no two projects that are the same. I have students who have uh, planned and led basketball and volleyball tournaments. I have students who have uh, created a hiking trail in North Shore of Vancouver. I have students who've bought and bought old cars and made them roadworthy. I've had students who've led English language conversations with uh, sister schools in Japan and Korea. I've I have a student right now who um, his grandfather passed away last year, and he spent some time visiting his grandfather in hospice, and he was a little bit horrified by the art on the walls. And he's an artist, and so he wants to do a painting uh, for a hospice center so that those who are in hospice will see something beautiful and will feel mm -hmm. like they have some hope. Uh, there, are, I have science students who do who've done some. Um, last year, it was a hand sanitizer, organic. A uh, nice smelling essential oil hand sanitizer because they're interested in science. Um, mm. So they're just the students go in all different directions and they get to practice using their gifts and talents and intersecting that with a need so they get to practice what it's like to be at that intersection mm. for their project. Also, practically, um, what's turned uh, a, an interesting kind of beautiful uh, result of these capstone projects is that students can use their capstone projects to highlight who they are when they're applying to schools and when they're applying for scholarships. And that's been really wonderful. So many students have been able to use this capstone to say, here I am, here's what I'm capable of doing. Here's how I can use it in the world. And schools respond very positively mm -hmm. to that. They want to know, is this kid worth investing in? Is this kid able to use what they've learned in school and apply it to the world? And Capstone is a, yes, this student can, and here's how they've done it so far. And it's mm. resulted in more scholarships and more questions around students that maybe would have before this been passed by. Hashtag, well, great. hashtag mastery transcript consortium, Darren. <laughs> mm, I know we're there that's, again. That's another, that's another yes, campfire conversation. Um, Sorry. So that's a practical change that that has come about but not but um could you talk to us about other changes you see in either yourself as a teacher when you see students really going this way or changes in the students because you you're you're choosing to equip them and give them the opportunity to have a learning experience like this Yes. So at Sir Christian School, we do, uh, we have each class participate in the FLEX formational learning experience. So they've had previous experience with 
with uh, using their learning and going out into the world and helping in the community in, in various ways. And so they, they have a bit of a reference point and some of the flexes they've really loved and had a good experience with and other ones they don't really connect to and that's not their thing. And then that's also good information for them because like, no, you know, this, I've done this. It's not my thing. It doesn't excite me. I'm not very good at this. I don't want to do that. Uh, but once a student gets a good idea and they're excited about it and they have a decent plan, then they just take off and they're excited and they will, they will spend hours and hours around this project, not because it's required, but because they love it and because they realize they're doing important work and they can feel what it's like to use their gifts and talents to make a difference in the world. Uh, and as a teacher and as someone who... Um, has this deep hope for these students. It's a really wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. mm. Janice, uh, is there anything that maybe we didn't ask you or that you wanted to talk about that you didn't get a chance to talk about? With regards to capstone projects? Yeah. Any of your teaching, your, yeah. Any of your, your story that maybe we didn't touch on that you'd like to uh, kind of end with. Okay. Well, I will say with capstone projects, it is a journey and any journey has hard parts and has challenges. So it isn't, I've made it sound really wonderful and beautiful and the journey in the end is wonderful and beautiful and transformative. But if it's been a good journey, there are some challenges and there are troubles and not all projects end well and students have to maybe start again or they maybe have to make a major turn partway through their project uh, which can be really discouraging and disheartening. Uh, but there is a lot of learning and growth that happens. But if I'm really honest, sometimes the journey is hard. Mm -hmm. uh, it isn't always mm -hmm. super easy and super shiny and doesn't always end well. Mm -hmm. Janice, do any of your, have any of your students made a podcast as part of their capstone project? I had two students last year who made a podcast around student mental health and student well-being. Mm. And so they uh, they did use, they did make a podcast. They did go through the process of interviewing friends and creating questions and using the equipment. I don't know how much farther the podcast went than the interview part. I think they've shared it with a very small group of friends, classmates, that sort of mm. thing. Um, but yes, there was there's one group of boys who have made a podcast. Cool. Janice, I, I want to thank you uh, for your journey and sharing your journey here with us, but I also just your involvement in Surrey Christian. Um, as, a, as someone that works with TFT, Teach for Transformation, I feel really encouraged, inspired by the work of Surrey Christian. And uh, as you mentioned, that it's not always easy. And um, I know that you have toured, in some cases, toured schools or toured people through your building. Um, I know that you put on smiles faces and it's, it's for those types of things, but I know it's hard work behind the scenes. So thank you mm -hmm. for that. And thanks for sharing. Uh, we're going to transition to something uh, we call our celebration of learners. On the Every Square Centimeter website, we have an ever-growing gallery that we call our celebration of learners. Uh, it's actually quite inspiring to go and look, recommend uh, you to just Google uh, Christian Schools Canada or Every Square Centimeter and go check it out. It's populated with wonderful people that have joined us on our podcast, shared a bit of their journey, and have had at least one other person write something nice about them. And today for Janice, we have Danny Nachtigal, who is the principal at the secondary campus, who's written a little something uh, for you, Janice. So Darren, I think you have that. 
Yes, I do. Uh, here it goes. Hi, Janice. Smiley emoji face. <laughs> While Janice has many strengths, I'm going to comment specifically on three of them. The first that stands out about Janice is her relationship with students. Janice works hard to give students amazing learning experiences and authentically invests in her students as learners and humans. Students know this and they respect and value her tremendously. The second thing that stands out about Janice is her desire to do things well. Janice is an extremely hard worker and she exhibits excellence in her craft. She holds herself to an incredibly high standard and it is a joy watching her teach and work with students. A third strength of Janice's is her ability to work with other teachers. In her role as instructional coach, Janice does a tremendous job of walking alongside teachers, encouraging them, caring for them, asking good questions, and helping other teachers be the best professional selves. To sum up, Janice is awesome, and our school is better because she is a part of it. Danny Nuttgall. That's so Danny, the smiley emoji at the beginning <laughs> of the writing. Uh, the word awesome is so Danny. And then also he's just so good at knowing his staff and uh, identifying how they are unique and how they uniquely share God's love in the world. Uh, mm. Danny is a peculiar guy and he does he does such a good job of bringing peculiarness out in his staff as well. Mm. Awesome. Janice, uh, if anyone wants to connect with you, how could they do that? So they could email me at jmacdonald at surreychristian.com. And I am also on Twitter, Janice Mac. It's actually Janice underscore underscore Mac, M-A-C on Twitter. Thank you. And listeners, we would love to hear from you as well. So email us at everysquarecentimeter at gmail.com. Send us your feedback. Tell us about an educator that we should celebrate or just share a fun teacher antidote. We also would appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We, we don't quite understand the algorithm, but apparently rating and reviewing is good, unless it's bad. Unless you rate or view us bad, then I think that's bad. But at this point, <laughs> I think we have seven reviews, or at least ratings, not reviews. We have no re reviews. We have seven ratings on Apple. They're all yes. five-star. I know. And so I'm guessing that they're us three. We've probably done it. And then I'm guessing maybe our moms have done it. And then maybe one other person has, has given us a five-star. So anybody else out there that would love to give us five-star, but even more, I'd love to hear a review. Uh, and if you do so, we'd love to read it out, maybe on our next Campfire Conversation, uh, if you put a review in there. So that'd be great. Darren, before you lead us off with the blessing, I want to thank Janice for hosting our run, uh, which is what we called ourselves today, and ask if anyone knows what a, what group of animals would form a run. Uh Justin, what do you got? I was gonna, I'm leaning coyote, but we've talked about coyotes a lot already. So I'm I'm just gonna go like a run of dogs. A run of dogs, I like it. Okay, you usually use alliteration though, don't you? Like run of rabbits, but okay, run of dogs, run of rodents, rodents. Okay, <laughs> Janice, uh, any any guesses for a run? I was thinking maybe something local, so coyote or deer, mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah. I do choose something local. Uh, that is correct. Uh, Darren, uh, I got a sense that he's maybe got a little bit of a lead on this one. So he's Darren, got a smug look on yeah, his face. Yeah, he does have that look. So, Darren, <laughs> what are you thinking? Well, as a – like, I just want to mention that this is the first year in 25 that I've not bought a fishing license mm -hmm. uh, oh. because of how busy it's been. So, I'm assuming, Jeremy, you're going with Salmon Run if yes. you're going with Run. 
Yeah. And usually when you hear it put that way, I think people would know, but when you hear a run by itself, it doesn't sound mm-hmm. the same. So she that's, I think it. what, yeah. It, so a it run took me salmon. All, took me all episode to come up with it after you mentioned it off the top. So well, well done. I think that's your second, uh, the Roosevelt elk. I think mm-hmm. you also got correct. So you have gotten some local ones, correct, Darren. So congratulations. My random question, which is not as creative as some of the ones I've had in the past is, when you say salmon fishing, is there? Do you guys have any like you know natural or typical fishing stories like you should have seen type of thing? So share a fishing story. Anyone, Janice, you got a fishing story, or do you do you fish? Uh, I do not fish, but I've been around people who fish my whole life because of where we live. Uh, well, I have I have one. When I was a little kid, we used to go camping at a, a lake called Cultus Lake, and beside Cultus Lake, we went we, were, we stayed at this campground where they had trout. And it wasn't, wasn't, uh, salmon, but, uh, unfortunately I caught a trout and then I needed to club it and I was crying and very upset. And since then I refuse to fish mm-hmm. anything. Uh, so. Traumatic. Mm-hmm. So there was a parent or someone who forced you to kind of like, if you're going to catch it, you got to kill mm-hmm. it. That's yeah. the rule. Come on. Yeah. And I actually prayed, please, God, don't let me catch a fish. And I did. And so I, had, <laughs> I cried in tears and banging the fish. Uh, I have spent, I have spent so much time in my life praying that I would catch a fish. Uh, so I've never prayed. I wouldn't catch a fish. That's interesting. Darren, what do you got? Well, I think, uh, the largest Chinook salmon I've ever caught. The irony of this is I don't have a picture. So you all call me fisherman, Mm -hmm. like this being a fisherman lie, but I caught a 48 pound spring one Sunday morning but it took me so long to land this thing that my wife had to get two toddler kids out of the house to church on Sunday morning before church. And I slunked into church probably 10 minutes late, reeking of fish. <laughs> yeah. And as a result, never actually got a picture of by far the largest salmon I've ever caught in my life. That is a classic fishing story, Darren. And I I would have someone similar before Justin, I go to you. I, I have some similar, I, I, the biggest fish I caught, I actually caught in the tail. And so it took me about 45 minutes to an hour to get it in. My arms were jelly. I was a teenager. And the moment I got it in, I looked up at my dad and he's like, no, you got to release it. You're not, you're not allowed to keep it because it's not, it's got to be in the head if you want to keep a salmon illegally. And so I, I had to release it. So I also have no evidence of what I assume was about a 45 pound salmon. So Justin, you got one? Well, kind of. I So I do love fishing. I don't fish well or often, but uh, my favorite fishing story actually involves my son and a, a really good friend of mine. So we were up at my brother's cottage and the fishing's pretty good there on his little lake, Lake Salerno. And uh, Will later in the day, so Will and my son went out fishing in the morning and Will told me the story later as my buddy. He's like, so this is how I woke up this morning. I woke up at around six o'clock and opened my eyes looking sideways and there was your son's face four inches from my face saying, Uncle Will, can we go fishing? (laughs) And and it's just a testament to how awesome my friend Will is and how bad of a dad I am. (laughs) That my son knew exactly who to ask in that moment. And sure enough, Will was like, yeah, let's go fishing. And they they caught walleye. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Darren, uh, please uh, send us off with a blessing. All right. Uh, Janice, gentlemen, listeners, here is a riff off the Merton quote. I had this uh, earlier in the podcast. 
May the Lord grant you courage to recognize the possibilities of the present moment. And in the angst produced by uncertainty, may your hope and faith be placed in a God of staggering strength and love. And may the God who restores embrace and cradle you in loving arms. Amen. 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 Stay encouraged, educators. Thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.